From Elevate Communication, hi and welcome to PR Pod, a podcast all about the communication and PR industry in 2020 and into the future. Listening to PR Pod, you'll join me, Mark, and my colleague Ella as we explore in detail the fascinating world of public relations, communication, digital technologies, and futurism in 2020 and beyond. Mark and I are both professionals working in the world of communication and public relations. So safe to say we're extremely interested in all of the intricacies of communication today. We're pleased to invite you along as we delve deep into PR, comms, digital, and all of the wonderful highs and lows of being a communication professional today. Plus, we'll be talking a whole lot about what the future of the industry might have in store. We'll keep it light and fun, but aim to learn a little something along the way. From Elevate Communication, you're listening to PR Pod. Learn from others. A lot of what I've learned is um, I've learned from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, find mentors in this area who've dealt with things before. Someone somewhere has faced what you're facing mm-hmm. and they can advise you on what's going on. So understand that you don't always have all the answers. Reach out for help. Find out those people who can help you, who may have specific expertise in a specific area on a specific topic or a range of topics who might be able to help you out. Today we're speaking to Jose Abad. He's a senior communication manager specializing in issues and crisis management at Elevate Communication and we're going to be talking to him all about the differences between an issue and a crisis and how businesses can effectively manage that and come back from a potential issue. Yeah, I think today um, it's going to be a real interesting in-depth episode. We're going to get into some of what issues are, what crisis means, maybe um, understand a little bit about the difference between the two of these things, Uh, but also hopefully offering up some insights and tips for the listeners as to how they may uh, manage issues in crisis, uh, whether you be a comms professional working in a space or maybe a company who might uh, come across it. Also, uh, providing a little bit of insights, we're gonna we're gonna test Jose a little bit, test his knowledge a little bit, ask him some uh, curly questions just around detailing the differences between strategy, tactics, issues, crisis, uh, and understanding, I guess, why businesses and companies should prepare. Uh, whether there is an issues or crisis that may happen for them. Additionally, we're going to talk a little bit about spokespeople and the importance of getting the right spokespeople up to speak on your behalf. So I think a great episode. Looking forward to it, Ella, yourself? Absolutely. I think it'd be really beneficial for both businesses and people working in issues and crisis field. So let's get started. Let's get into it. My name's Jose Abad. I'm Senior Communication Manager at Elevate Communication. My specialty is uh, strategy and issues management. Uh, We're going to talk today a little bit about how we manage issues for our clients and uh, how we like to try and prevent those issues from turning into a crisis. Excellent. Look, I think we're both quite uh, enthusiastic about talking to this topic as well. To start, Jose, I'd like to give you a little statement and garner your thoughts a reputation is an asset that can be managed uh, for clients, uh, any brand, anything like that. What what do you think this term means? If you could just delve in a little bit, what are your thoughts on that terminology? Do, do people understand what that, what a reputation is? Oh, absolutely. Um, in our game, your reputation 
is a very valuable asset. What we do is protect and manage those as- that asset, which is your reputation. It's a very hard one asset, and uh, reputation is one over many years. It's the way the company um, treats its clients, it's the way it treats its employees, it's the way it manifests itself in the world. That's its reputation. It's how it is perceived by its customers, perceived by regulators and others. Uh, and uh, it takes a long time to build that reputation and uh, can be uh, a very valuable asset if carefully managed. And I guess why I wanted to start with that and ask you about that is I feel like issues and crisis often affect reputation. Is that correct? Absolutely. It can, can do. And the way you respond to an issue and a crisis can make or break your reputation. And a broken reputation, what might that mean for a brand? Well, uh, loss of trust, for example. Um, people might start, uh, you, might, you might get a boycott, for example. People might stop using your products. Um, people might stop enrolling their children in your school. Um, it could be a whole range of things. Uh, it, could, it, could, it could mean um, regulatory action against your organisation if you're caught out doing things. Um, there's a whole range of things that can happen. And so you've dealt quite a bit with then uh, issues and crisis management, uh, reputation management for, for different clients. Are you able to give us some examples? Maybe you don't have to maybe name the clients or anything like that, but some examples of how you've done this uh, historically. Uh, yes. Well, over the years, um, I've done everything from uh, product recall, so national product recalls. Um, I've done uh, allegations of um, financial impropriety where uh, money's gone missing, um, uh, allegations of sexual abuse, as well, um, uh, other issues such as uh, factory fires um, and things, everything. So they're, they're the more extreme examples of, of things that I've uh, managed, helped companies with in the past, all the way through to a journalist has got to be in a bonnet and is consistently writing stories about your organisation um, and we need to manage that situation. So that's more of an issue than a crisis, but that can, be, uh, that can turn into a crisis over a long period of time. So when we look at managing a crisis or an issue before it escalates to the point of no return, talk us through what that looks like from when the business comes to you to when you can get it as rectified as, as closely as you can. What are the steps that you would take? Well, the key to ma- effective management here is um, preparation, really. Having an issues plan in place um, can avoid a lot of these problems. Contemplating what are all of the things that uh, could go wrong, where are we exposed? For example, if you are a food manufacturer, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to have a product recall at some point in your operation, or even the best-run companies can, things can go wrong. Uh, It could be, I I had a situation where a food manufacturer had an employee had uh, been deliberately um, contaminating the product. Okay, and um, so you can th- that that can happen as well. Um, so even if you've got the best um, procedures in place, of course you learn from all of those things. But the point of uh, of saying that is that you can anticipate a lot of these things depending on the sector you're in. So for example, if you are a food manufacturer, you know you need to plan for product recourse. Yep. That you need to plan for that. Um, if you've got a lot of if you're a transport company, uh, could be you know uh, supply chain logistics. You 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 might have an issue with um, supply being affected. Um, if you're a mining company, of course, you've got um, issues regarding um, environmental discharges that may happen. You may have activism against you. You may, or, or of course, you've got workplace and health, health and safety issues. These are all things that you can anticipate in advance that are risk areas. So it's managing that risk, understanding what risk 
to your reputation from uh, your actions or inaction and having a plan in place to respond to that should the worst happen. I think that's really interesting as well that um, you've, you've seen a whole range of different things and that people can be prepared and people maybe should be prepared for them even if they don't think, you know, it's going to, even if it's maybe not going to happen, that they should still prepare for these things to happen. What, what are some things that they can be doing to prepare? A lot of the companies have already got, they've already done a lot of this preparation, for example. So mm-hmm. um, they will have workplace and health, health and safety uh, plans in place. They will have product recall plans in place already. They will have, if they're doing their jobs correctly, they will have all of these things. They'll have all of that. Um, but sometimes maybe the communications people, the social media people aren't communicating with effectively, they, they may not have their communications response planned out. They may know internally how they're doing all of these sorts of things, but they need to communicate that to all of their stakeholders. So that could mean uh, their suppliers, it could mean their customers, it could mean their employees, Uh the general public, the media, regulators. Who's responsible for communicating to those people? What information do they need to get and how quickly can they get that? What can we say at what point? Um, And understanding those things and having a plan in place. So having your legal team involved, so know what we can and can't say at certain points. So th- this all sounds really interesting to me, and I think that something that comes to mind when I think about this, and you've sort of mentioned that they will have a company policy in place. Should they have a communications policy, a communication strategy, a PR strategy, a response uh, issues strategy in place? And if so, when would a comms team or a company, if they don't have a comms team, uh, when would they look at implementing something like this? Well, in my experience, they've got a lot of this stuff. And when, when, I'm, when I come in and we start talking to them about, oh, where's your product recall plan? Where's your business continuity plan? They've got a lot of this stuff. And, and before you know it, you're pulling all of this together and you're putting it into a single document and you've got a communication response that, that overlays and feeds into these other plans. So you know who's the person responsible, for example, if in a product recall who is communicating with the stakeholders. So we know who are the people within the company who have got the information that we need to know, who are the people that we need to clear that with, and then who are going to be the spokes, who are the appropriate spokespeople. Um, So that's not just, people think uh, it's not just about speaking directly to the media, it's about speaking directly to all of your stakeholders as well. So understanding, so they may have issues. Uh, They might be completely unrelated. That You may have a supply chain issue in Queensland, for example, but you might be a national company. So people in other states may want to know, is this issue affecting me? Is this going to affect me? Um, it, that's the case in any any national organisation that may have issues that are localised. People want to know, well, is that going to affect me? Um, issues, for example, within a school. There we've, I've dealt with issues with uh, allegations of bullying, um, discrimination, for example. Um, court cases where the schools are being taken court over this the parents want to know well what's going on in the school is this affecting my child is this is this the way you do things so understand you know understanding no we don't tolerate this kind of behavior in our school we have policies to address all of this here's what we've done here's how we've redressed this issue um i'm communicating all of that clearly and transparently and not trying to hide from it um because quite often if you're not transparent as you can be uh, or you try to be too tricky, that's when you'll get caught out. Look, 
And I think what you're doing right now when you're giving us all this insight, and I don't know about you, Ella, but I'm getting getting this quite a bit. I'm actually getting a whole heap of questions that I want to ask you um, based on a lot of what you're saying. But I think one thing that before I dive into some of those other questions, you've mentioned a number of times now, issues and crises. Yes. Are they the same thing? Are they different? Can you give us a little bit of insight? The way I like to look at this is an issue is you've got some time to plan with an issue. This may be, for example, as I was mentioning earlier, you may have, you, you understand there are certain risks the company is facing, product recalls, for example, or supply chain issues, workplace health and safety. You know these are likely to be an issue. You can plan for these things. Uh, another case may be where you know you're going to be served in the court. You're being sued, for example. You may have injured somebody. Uh, someone may be taking you to court for discrimination. Um, a whole range of issues could end up in the court. Fair work. Um, non-payment of wages, whatever it might be, and you know that that is going to be coming, you've got an issue on your hands, you need to manage that. You have time to plan for that. A crisis is when it hits suddenly and it hit hard and you have no idea that it's coming. Sometimes you get hit with an event straight out of the blue. Um, You may have been had, for example, uh, workplace death. There may be a workplace death. That is a crisis, but if you've got an issue management plan in place you can straight away implement that uh, and the issues plan is good for about the first 24 to 48 hours how you're going to respond and then it will evolve over that uh, a crisis will evolve over a period of time too because there'll be the initial reaction what's happened someone's died there's been an accidental discharge of, of, of into the environment we need to assess what the damage is and that will there will as the investigations go on you'll need to evolve your response as that happens, understanding that, that it will evolve over a period of time. If court action is involved, um, each time you appear in court, that will be when the issue comes back again. Um, but the, so you can plan for that. But yeah, so the issue and the crisis, the way it's, essentially it's time, right, the way I look at it. Issue, you've got time to respond, you've got time to plan. Crisis is, it's immediate, it's devastating, and you've got to respond quickly. Touching on the time, you mentioned earlier that for an issue roughly around 24 to 48 hours, is there such a thing as too late? Like what is too late for you to come back from the brink of a massive issue? Oh Well, look, in today's world, as we know, it's um, everybody's got every spot. Everybody's got their own TV station in their pocket. Um, They, you know, you can have people can be live streaming from um, a factory fire. For example, you could have passers by standing there with their phones before the TV cameras even get there and your factory is on fire. Um, before before the, the emergency services are even there and people are live streaming it on Facebook. And there it is. And you need to respond. What's happening? You know, is that our factory? How many people are inside? Has anybody been injured? Yeah. Um, yes. So, yes, you have to respond. So it's immediate in a situation like that. Yeah. Uh, and what you can do is talk about what you know at that time. You can confirm, yes, we know that there is an issue here. We are trying to confirm who was involved. Uh, is there anybody hurt? And continually provide those updates as you know and it's interesting that you've touched on technology obviously that's changed businesses everywhere around the world so everyone can essentially live stream anything at any stage over your time in pr and issues and crisis how has technology changed the way that businesses deal with with issues well uh, showing my age here um we used to send press releases out via fax machines so and you would have to and the only time uh so you would have uh the news cycle which would be the six o'clock news you would have radio which would be every half hour 
uh, on the hour and on the half hour. The radio would be who you'd mainly have to respond to quickly. TV news uh, in the evenings and then the newspapers the following day. And that would be your news cycle. Now it's 24-7. It's always on, constant updates. They can be live updating websites as things happen. So that's been the main change, just the, the, the speed at which you need to respond. But again, if you've done some initial planning, you have an issues management plan in place, you at least have some way of responding quickly because you've thought about the particular issue, what happens in a product recall, for example, what happens if we have a major workplace mishap, what happens if there's a major uh, incident at one of our sites and you've at least thought about how you're going to respond, have some messaging that you can massage to the the facts on the ground and update that so you have an initial response and then you can update from there as, as things become clearer. Look, just for younger listeners, a uh, fax machine is an archaic device. You may find these in a museum, but if you don't know what they are, you can Google them. No, yes. that, no, that was that was uh, that was really fascinating. Something you said there was quite interesting. Um, actually, you've mentioned this a couple of times as well. Responding, mm. I've heard people shy away from responding a bit. They don't want to make an issue into a crisis. They don't want to respond. Mm. How important is it, in in your opinion, from your experience, for companies to actually? respond when there's an issue arising happening it depends you need to assess what mm-hmm. so the company needs to understand how are we what is the company position with regard to this particular issue that we may be facing so for example it may be uh, if you're a large franchise organization um, and you've got a number of your franchisees who are um, closing down for example and you know you're going to have a constant drip of stories um, because times are tough or whatever it might be what's going to be the company position on responding to those that that might be one way you can you can respond Um, how the company responds that that is a matter for you to decide issue by issue how you're going to respond what's the company position on this do we respond um, how quickly Uh, and it depends really depends on the issue and if you've done your assessment and you understand how you might do that so for example you may decide that we aren't going to put our CEO in front of cameras for a particular issue. We will be issuing a statement. And you may issue a statement that's appropriate. That may not be appropriate depending on the issue that you're facing. You may need to get your CEO out front and centre quickly and um, addressing the issue. It's, it's It's a matter for you to decide, but if you've done your planning in advance, you'll have an appreciation of... Um, what do we consider to be brand damaging issues and how do we respond if these things happen? Other things that we know, okay, how are we going to manage that? We might, we might manage that with a simple media statement. We may issue that um, with, and, and at which level do we issue that? Is it attributed to the CEO? Is it attributed to somebody who's got some technical knowledge of what might be going on? So it's really de- depending if you've done your planning, you've ranked all of the issues and potential crises by their severity and and how you're going to respond. You should know that in advance and how you're going to respond. But all like anything, um, you can always be blindsided and you need to decide then and there how you're going to do that. Okay, so with, with the wrong response, you can get yourself in some grief. Another technique that I've seen is people delaying a little bit uh, responding. They want to get all their ducks in a row, know all the facts. Do you think that uh, in certain circumstances, certain issues, types of things, that by responding too early, you can actually escalate it? You can turn something that maybe wasn't an issue into an issue? 
That's right. So sometimes um, going off too early and not having all of the facts and putting stuff out there that you then have to retract mm-hmm. burns your reputation straight up there. Oh, are you lying to us now? How come yeah. you said earlier, you said this, and now you're saying that? So going out too early with information that you haven't verified can be very damaging. Um, and again, it depends on what the issue might be. So if you've got an issue with the local community where there's been, a, um, there's been an environmental spill and you've put out incorrect information about what happened during that spill because you didn't have all of the information and then you're having to backtrack and say, well, actually, it's a lot worse than we thought it was, or you've denied or you've not denied but if you have um, given information that is incorrect and then you have to then change that information which is it's a fine line to uh, be walking because you do need to get the information out you do need to tell people what's going on and tell them what you know at that time and if it changes you do need to update that but I guess it's knowing what you can put out there that is going to keep the community informed but at the same time not mislead them. After a business has gone through a crisis and they've resolved it to the best of their ability, what does it look like to start to rebuild their reputation and move forward from that and take the focus off what's just happened? Okay, well, that's always acknowledging what you've done, um, showing empathy for the people involved and how you've addressed that issue and what you're doing to redress it, what you're going to be doing going forward to make sure that it doesn't happen again or to mitigate anything like that happening in, into the future and, and being as transparent about that as you can be with all of your stakeholders. So that might mean, for example, spending a period of time in the local community, running community um, sessions to tell them what you're doing to protect the local environment, if that's the issue that you've faced. It may mean um, spending more time dealing with your suppliers if, if there's been a supply chain issue or if there's a product recall issue explaining to them what you've done to make sure that these processes have been addressed so that they won't be facing that issue again um, same with the community for example if you've had to do a major product recall and it is a and it's it's actually got out in and people are having to return products themselves so um, what have you done to make that product safer uh, what are the processes that you may have changed there? There are all these things that you can be doing after the fact. Um, so it's not just, oh, the story's gone away. Great. You've got, you'll have to rebuild. And that's a period that may take a long period of time. I guess it's good for the brand too because it gives insight into how their current comms strategy or their current issues and crisis plan actually works in a real-life crisis. So they can go back and evaluate how it's happened and how the public has responded and kind of use that data to shape what they do moving forward if there is another crisis. Absolutely. Learn from everything. Learn from those crises. Learn from, from an issue. How will we, how, what did we do well? What did we do wrong? Um, what could we do better next time? So that, that, that internally can be a, a very useful process and bring that into everything else that you're doing. So there's no point in, for example, you've said you're going to do all of these wonderful things in response to an issue that you've had to deal with but your business as usual is to ignore and do whatever, just go back to business as usual, that's not going to fly. That won't fly. When the crisis is over, you just go back to business as usual and whatever it is that you've been accused of or that you did wrong, you just go back to your old ways. People will see through that, your suppliers, your stakeholders, everybody will see through that. So making sure that business as usual becomes what you said it is going to be. We're going to address these issues and we're not just going to go back to our old ways. Keeping promises and yes. that is key. Yes. 
And and just further to this a little bit, one thing that you've mentioned throughout, and just further to Ella's question as well, in addressing the issues and crisis, spokespeople. How important is it to pick the right spokespeople? Are there wrong spokespeople? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, look, th- that can be a big issue for companies, mm-hmm. particularly if the CEO is not good. Um, that might they might not be the right person. Look, in most for a big crisis, you know, big brand damaging crisis, you've got to get your CEO out there. You need to have that person trained. You need to have that person ready to go, and knowing how to deliver a key message, not get flustered, um, and be able to show empathy, to be able to be transparent, not get angry with the journalists because they're asking questions that are uncomfortable. They're just doing their job. You need to understand that the media. Too often, you'll companies will see the media as the enemy. They aren't the they aren't the enemy. They're doing their jobs. You have to understand they are doing their jobs. They're there to report. They're there to ask you the tough questions. Um, you're there to um, respond to those questions, but also get your key messages across about what you're doing as well. So prepping, having your people ready to go. Understanding who's good within your organisation to deal with that. So if you've done media training in advance, you can then see where your weak points might be. If under media training your CEO gets flustered, he gets snappy, or she, uh, he or she, um, that is the, you can train, you can then, okay, we need to work on this. And you talk about media training. Um, media training is obviously one tactic that people can use. Yes. It's probably important. What are some of the other tactics uh, in PR comms Uh, and strategy that can be used maybe um actually i'm going to read you something that that you wrote down jose i've done done my research done my journalistic research before the before the interview here um the tactics are the specific actions that the organization will take to achieve its strategic goals yes so media training is obviously one form of tactic that's one tactic people trained so what are some of the tactics uh in pr and comms that will play into strategy issues crisis management well your overall the way i like to look at this is you know the strategy is the overall goal that you're looking to achieve what's the overall goal the tactics are the individual things that you're going to do to achieve that goal they're specific tactics so media training is one of those mm-hmm. using the media may, might be that um, social media for example own your own channels so for example you've got your own website you've got your own blogs uh, YouTube channels where you might be able to directly address your stakeholders through video. Um, you've got things like you know SMS messaging. You've got uh, email messaging. All of these that, where you can directly communicate with your stakeholders. And don't forget the personal touch. Go and visit them. If you've aggrieved somebody, you've got a whole bunch of stakeholders. For example, if you're a, uh, I'll use again, I'll use the food manufacturer for example, and you've got five or six key suppliers that have really been affected by an issue go and see them um but don't forget the personal touch as well and uh, saying sorry being in front of people um showing that personal touch can be um very beneficial as well as using the media and other things other more impersonal more indirect ways to communicate and the word sorry is a word that I actually think is has a lot more power um, than people realise. I've heard a concept, an idea, uh, utilo- usually stemming from celebrity or high-profile people, that, and I want to get your thoughts on this, and I don't know, I like this idea or I don't like it, I'm not 100% sure where I sit, but I think that um, the idea 
of creating a false issue or claim so that you can say sorry in a bid to humanize yourself, make yourself more relatable to people. I've heard this is a tool used by high-profile celebrities, people like this that maybe sit outside of the normal realm. Thoughts on this uh, bit of a gray area? I'm I'm looking at your face. I've thrown Um, you. Tell me what your thoughts uh, on... A false crisis. Creating a false issue or crisis in a bid to say sorry. Something that happens, something that doesn't happen. And good or bad idea in your uh, opinion? Uh, look, I'm not across celebrity culture. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it's not a strategy I would recommend no. to anybody <laughs> no, to put yourself out there because you don't know where some of this stuff goes these days. You know, with social mm. media and the outrage that social media can generate these days, you don't know where this thing could ultimately lead. Um, if you've created, you know, you're manufacturing a, an issue for yourself so to get yourself in the headlines, you say something really controversial. Mm. Um, depends on what you're saying, of course. Um, it can work for some people, I guess. Um, some examples from the United States, you've seen where people won't stand for the national anthem and then they get, yeah. um, and then they get uh, a shoe endorsements and other things. Uh, that's worked well for that person um i don't know much about that beyond what anybody else beyond knows the, yeah, the mainstream, um but. it's not something i would recommend people do but i'm not an advisor to celebrities no that's i guess that's mm. a, a key point but you've talked there again and ella i think this is where your uh, expertise will, will come in so if i get the terminologies incorrect please just tell me um social media obviously it's been around for quite a while now big impact is this sort of a key area, specific different social platforms? Are these key areas where issues are being created, um, rising from for comms professionals, for businesses? I have a love-hate relationship with social media, I have to admit. Um, I started my career before there was social media. Um, With the advent of social media, given the way my brain works and I am an issues manager, I just see social media as a huge reputational risk. Um, and in, but at the same time, it's but at the same time, use that, yeah. exactly. But at the same time, I've mentioned before, it's a very valuable tool that you can use. Um, so I have, like as I said earlier, I have a love hate relationship with social media because so much can go wrong with it, but you can use it so effectively as well. And I think a good example of that is Kylie Jenner with her tweet about Snapchat. And it's a great example of she's so powerful on social media for all the right reasons. She gets a lot of endorsements and uses it for good. But in this instance, her one tweet about that she no longer uses Snapchat or she never opens Snapchat and that wiped off $1.3 billion of stock from Snapchat based on one tweet. So it's an example of how um, social media can catastrophically affect businesses. Absolutely. For some people now, that's where they get all of their news. That's... Um, you know, whether it be YouTube, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, that's their interface with the world. They're not looking at, they're not listening to radio, listening to what's going on in the six o'clock news or anything like that. That is the news for them, which I guess is where um, a, a lot of we've been talking about. Uh, there's been a lot of talk in the media about algorithms, about you know who's uh, social media bubbles people getting fed the algorithm, okay, you're liking a certain topic, you're following a certain range of issues, and you get fed more of that. Um, Going back to a point you made before, Mark, how quickly, how do we respond to social media politicians 
tend to jump a lot and journalists tend to jump a lot with with outrage particularly on twitter um again that's that twitter is a very specific platform it's very ideologically um biased in one direction and you're going to get one view of the world when you're on there um so uh, how representative is it do you need to respond to stuff that's going on in there well, if you're Kylie Jenner, if she's tweeting about you, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, other than that, uh, you know, you'll see a lot of journalism these days where, oh, social media outrage over blah. And then they'll screenshot half a dozen tweets and they'll stick them up. But then you'll go and have a look at who those people were. I don't have many followers. It's a lot of this stuff can be overblown, I mm. think, sometimes. Sometimes um, that Twitter isn't the real world, that the outrage mob on Twitter isn't representative of all points of view uh, so i will uh, that's the only i would urge caution um for that um corporations and people that i deal with don't tend to have to f- they haven't had too much of that as yet but touch wood that could always happen and facebook's doing a really good thing too with how media and information gets distributed online so many variations of it can be skewed or they're false so they're kind of trying to streamline that to make sure that everything that you see online is factually correct because that could also amplify an issue for a brand that shouldn't be there with all the spread mm. of false information then people reporting on those facts that aren't actually true and then it causes a, a much bigger issue. Well, it's like the game of telephone, isn't it? Um, I remember when we... One of the first things when I did Journalism 101 way back in the day, someone would walk... There was a couple of hundred students in the um, lecture hall the first student at the end of the line would be told something and that student had to tell the next student and then the next student told the next student. 20 students in, what was what the 20th student said was said to the first student bore absolutely no resemblance. So yes, that that was one of the first things, you know, who are you reporting on? Who? Where's the information coming from? Who's reporting it? And sometimes you're absolutely right. Something might get reported or posted somewhere and that becomes the story and you lose the source of where it came from. And suddenly it's just everyone just thinks that that's the story, but it, it's not. Um, how do you debunk that? That's, that can be tough, particularly if something's going viral. And I guess viral and the, the online world is probably something. I guess I like to think that people understand that maybe things being said on there aren't always factually correct. But I guess as an issues crisis... I think there's a lot of scepticism now. Yeah, mm. There's a lot more scepticism around about what you only need to read the the comment sections underneath YouTube videos or or, or newspaper um, articles where they will allow comments. You, increasingly, you'll see that uh, a lot of uh, platforms won't allow comments anymore; they'll shut it down. Um, but you can see that there's a lot more um, skepticism about information right now. People aren't necessarily getting their news from the news, the mainstream media anymore. Podcasts are um, becoming great source of news. Dare I say it, someone like Joe Rogan, the most successful podcaster in the world, that guy gets more listens and influences yeah. more people than any other media outlet on the planet. He speaks to more people and stuff that goes on there. So um, it's changing. and But I think that people have a far more discerning approach to where they're getting the news and what they're believing now. Um, but it's still there is still that capacity for 
um, echo chambers and for misinformation to proliferate. Look, before we then um, do, do the wind-up, Jose, a mm. couple of tips for people uh, who might be looking at people looking to, to work in the field of issues and crisis, people working in that field now. Oh, people working, who are working. Working other in, professionals? in the field, other professionals mm-hmm. or, or people looking to work in the field. Uh, a couple of tips when preparing to deal with an issue or crisis for a client. Okay. Learn from others. A lot of what I've learned is um, I've learned from other people. Mm-hmm. Find mentors in this area who've dealt with things before. Someone somewhere has faced what you're facing Mm -hmm. and they can advise you on what's going on. So understand that you don't always have all the answers. Reach out for help. Find out those people who can help you, who may have specific expertise in a specific area or on a specific topic or a range of topics who might be able to help you out. So know who to speak to, network well, ask for help, learn from others, I would say, if you're starting out. Um, Bring as many different points of view in as you can in an organisation. So when you're writing an issues plan, you need to find out from, particularly, for for example, a mining company. Talk to the guys who are the operators who are driving the machines. They'll know what's going on out there. Um, as opposed to people in the office as well. So get a different point of view up and down the the organisation to find out what's going on. Um, And you'll probably find that a lot of this stuff, there's a lot of thinking's already been done, but you need to collate it all in one place. That a lot of particularly larger organisations have done a lot of this thinking, but a lot of it's siloed across the organisation and collate it all so that you can respond well, thank you so much. That's some great, great insight there, Jose. I think just getting that whole picture. I like that a lot. What you've just said there about getting that whole picture from the full um, company. Don't just maybe just look at the people in the office, but ask the whole team. Yes. Um, look, thank you so much. You've given us some really important, really interesting um, facts and insights into what issues and crisis are, even the definitions, and um, giving us a bit of a. Uh, you know, a bit of understanding as to maybe how we might uh, start dealing with some of these things. So thank you so much for, for your time today. Thank you for having me. I absolutely loved the point that Jose made in terms of the personalization. So after you've dealt with, you know, your stakeholders online, you've put a statement out to the media from a crisis, you've dealt with um, all of your consumers via social media. I loved the point that he made in terms of physically going out and visiting those in your business that have been affected. So if you're a food manufacturer Mm -hmm, and you've got, mm -hmm. you know, a few suppliers that have also been affected and are having repercussions because of your issue, going going out and see them, you know, say sorry in person, Yeah. take them out to lunch, just apologize to them you can never underestimate the power of you know face-to-face contact with someone after something has affected them so I really liked that side that something might be a little bit you know overlooked occasionally a lot of people say I've put out a statement to the world that's all I need to do but sometimes take it back and be personal is is key definitely agree i think that um oftentimes as uh, communication professionals we think right we've got to manage this in the media manage our you know uh, corporate identity do all of this but sometimes just taking it right back and realizing that no matter who you are no matter your business you are dealing with people and exactly like you say i think that um uh, when you're looking at what an issue inside of a company that the point that jose made towards the end really stuck with me as well um Ask everyone in the business because there'll be different perspectives on what this issue is. Is it an issue? Is it a crisis? Is it something else? Understanding it um, and and understanding it well is going to give you the best opportunity, best chance to respond correctly. And exactly like you said there as well, remembering that you're dealing with people 
at the end of the day, we all deal with people and treating people like people is going to be the best result. So I think if you, if you can do that, I think you're going to be all right. But look, we really hope you enjoyed the episode and got some uh, insights out of it uh, around what to do in relation to issues and crisis management. From Elevate Communication, I'm Mark. I'm Ella. And you're listening to PR Pod. <laughs>